Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Well, modern lovers, if you are out there on the dating scene or if you know somebody who's dating, I have a question. Are you wasting your time and money when you're dating? It might be time to explore some of the fascinating new findings about how love and romance are linked to neuroscience. Yes, neuroscience and psychology. Our guest tonight is going to talk with us about the way in which we actually learn about love. And it might be one of the most meaningful and powerful things on the planet when we talk about love, but it's still something we learn. So our guest is Heidi Crockett, who addresses sex and stress-related topics by using relational neuroscience. She's got a book, The Neuroscience of Dating, which explains why brain integration is the holy grail for finding and keeping good relationships, specifically for those who are dating. Her website is www.heidicrockett.com. So first, let's go to our Ask Dr. Brenda question, and please keep your questions coming in. You can send those to love at docway.com. We love getting your questions. This one says, Dear Dr. Brenda, I'm a 41-year-old woman who's been divorced for 10 years. I've been in a few long-term relationships, but five months ago, after a long absence from a relationship, I met a man who's extremely sensitive, affectionate, seems to care about me. He's healthy, in good shape. There's only one issue. I'm sad to say he's a lousy lover. I talked to him about it. He said he's never been wild and crazy in bed, doesn't like to kiss, doesn't like foreplay. This makes me really sad because now I'm holding back and feeling frustrated and think I need and deserve more consideration. What should I do? Can I ask him to change? Raren to go in Sausalito. Okay, look, Raren, intimacy in a relationship is one of those things that most people, just like everything else about love, know very little about, and we get no training, we get no coaching, we get no mentorship. We're just supposed to magically know what to do in the area of sexuality. Now, I want to encourage you, when we do modern love training here, we often bring in our intimacy coach to talk with people about sexuality, about getting comfortable with their bodies, about clearing past sexual trauma. He could have past sexual trauma that he has repressed. He could have messages that he got in childhood that sexuality isn't safe or it's bad or it's dirty. There are all kinds of weird things that we hear when we're kids about sex. So my advice is get some love training that includes intimacy coaching. All right, let's talk a little more 
about who isn't confused about dating these days in order to survive today's complex dating scene. What the heck is a good guy or gal supposed to do? Heidi Crockett, our guest, says she believes brain integration could be used as a solution for dating difficulties. She applies well-researched neuroscience principles to screening people to find love. So let's talk about how you can screen your dates. Heidi Crockett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Brenda. Now, you have been a licensed psychotherapist and a nationally certified certified sexual let me say this, sexuality educator. Now, start out by telling us how you got interested in the field and then tell us what a certified sexuality educator is. How I got interested in the field, I think it developed over time. I mean, specifically, I fell in love with relational neuroscience when I was in graduate school just because I felt like it explained a lot of competing um, thoughts and feelings that I had, and I've written two books on it. And specifically, I got interested in sex, I don't know, like in my 20s. I I ran this support group with these women, and I realized that I really wanted to go further. And so I went back to grad school, and even in grad school, I did an independent study on sexuality. And then after graduate school, I did postgraduate training um, at the University of Michigan. And then after that... So what was it you learned in this group that you ran with women about sexuality? What what was the key thing that these women were concerned about or struggling with? I would say I was shocked. I had one girlfriend who was 25 at the time, and I did not know that she had been a virgin up until a few months ago, and she was starting to have sex, and it was very painful. And I think what surprised me was this was a friend who I had been close with for a number of years, and I didn't even know this very personal detail about her. So I think Sometimes women don't really talk very much about sexuality. So that was, yeah. you know, especially yeah. somebody who had reached that point in her life and never really explored her sexuality. So how did she address getting through the pain and getting once she opened up to you and started to really get and I hope get in touch with her sexuality in a much more open way? I think over time, you know, her sex life improved with her partner, and she's still um, with that partner now, you know, like 10 years later. Um, So, yeah, a lot of times we have programming, and it gets in the way. So I think that was her situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, programming can make such a difference. I know over the years in training couples and individuals in the whole arena of modern love in particular, we have this society, and I know you've seen this, Heidi, where uh, sex is used to sell cars, soft drinks, uh, rugs, you name it. Some scantily clad, usually woman or scantily clad uh, couple are lolling about, and then the product comes up, and it's a very sexy scene. So we have all these sexual images, but yet we don't, have information about our own bodies, how our bodies respond, sexuality, and certainly not what you have been diving into, which is the neuroscience. So for you personally, 
I know you also went through a trauma in your life. You lost your husband, and I'm very sorry about that. That's a terrible loss. And then how did you move from that loss to dating again? Uh, It took a while, uh, and to anyone who's in that process, I would just encourage you to begin the process of dating uh, because it wasn't wasn't easy. I I had mixed messages in my my own brain. You know, part of me wanted to be connected again in relationship, and then part of me did not. And I think personally that was what made dating difficult the first few, few years after my husband died was that I really wasn't congruent inside myself about what I wanted. Mm. So, uh, you know, if we had all of our listeners raise their hands, if they've had confusion about sexuality or issues with sexuality, I think everyone would raise their hands. I, I have to say, when I was a kid, my parents made sure that we went to Sunday school every Sunday morning. And I remember being about seven years old when the Sunday school teacher, maybe I was older, I think it was nine, Sunday school teacher took the girls downstairs to this dark room where the choir robes were kept, and she closed the door in a very secretive voice. She said, girls, we're going to talk about your bodies today. And she said it in a way that made chills go down my spine. I thought, oh, my God, something horrible was about to happen. And she said, never, ever, ever, ever should a boy or a man see your naked body. I've been married, she said, 40 years, and my husband has never seen my naked body. She went on to say that since we all wore shiny patent leather shoes, we should be careful because boys could look at our shoes and see the reflection of our underpants. Now, let me tell you, this was very confusing for my nine-year-old self, and it set up this whole idea that somehow I should be ashamed of my body, and I, it took a lot of years to work on it. So I know I'm not alone, Heidi. What do you say to people who get these kinds of messages? How do you work that out? Where does neuroscience come in? So I have this river of brain integration, which is the metaphor for dating, uh, and there's a riverbank of chaos and a riverbank of rigidity. And what we do, like when there's confusion in our life, is that we look at what are the contradictions and you try and kind of come together about it. So, like, for example, with the shame that someone might have about their sexuality is you have to figure out, like, what is, like, what is true inside of me? What is, like, a true, authentic expression of my love and my sexuality versus what are the things that were just programmed on me? And, you know, separating those two, you're creating integration inside yourself. You're discarding what is not yours, and you're integrating inside yourself what is true for you. So as a dating coach, you would have people look at both of these conflicting thoughts? Mm, And getting clear. Like chapter one in my book is called Clarity, and you have this clarity boat going down the river of brain integration. And I say that clarity is who you are and what you want in a partner. And, right, that's the most important thing 
in a way, is figuring out what you want. So, yes, having people, like, process what we're talking about would be part of getting that clarity. Now, it may be the most important thing to be clear what you want, but I think that's one of the most difficult things. You know, I've talked with literally thousands of people in our trainings and workshops and speaking engagements that I do around the world, and often people say, I just want to be with a really nice person. I say, well, how would you know that this is the nice person you want if that person walked up to you? Most people can't say. So as a dating coach, how do you help people get clear about what they want so they can get on the river of integration? Right. Well, one of the chapters, I have chaos mistakes and then that riverbank of rigidity mistake chapter and then one chapter is on rigidity versus clarity so right some people they can have these deal breakers in their mind about what they want and then it prevents them from really going after uh, being willing to consider more people you know so some what's people an are, example of a deal breaker that somebody a deal breaker might would, say yeah you go on a first date and the person, like you notice that they tip too little and you're like, well, I'm not going to be with this person. And you cut off all contact with them because you think that they're a bad person because they're not tipping like whatever amount you expect them. Whereas there could be like a lot of good qualities that the person has. Hmm. Yeah, That's one small example of a, okay. a deal break. Yeah. And then the other mistake that people make is what they tolerate which would be like the riverbank of chaos. So you have two types of people. I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm just classifying everything using this neuroscience model. Uh-huh. So people who are rigidly saying, I have deal breakers if the person does this or doesn't have that, I'm out. And then the other form of rigidity is, give us that one again. Oh, so that's rigidity, the riverbank of rigidity, and the other side is the riverbank of chaos. So chaos is you're too flexible, and basically you're tolerating too much Uh of what you don't want. So really in the middle is being clear what you do want, and how do you help people to get there to that authentic expression? I don't want to be chaotic and put up with, anything and I don't want to be rigid and get rid of people who could really be a good person prematurely or at all possibly well I believe that people have the wisdom inside themselves I think you know I mean everyone has a different approach but I think it's there I don't think it has to be really complicated I think the nature of relationship is that it develops over time. You know, you have like this connection with someone and it becomes something that feels good, that's meaningful over time. And, the, you know, the person proves themselves to be trustworthy over time and you're just like building a life together. So, I mean, you ha- you have to look at the individual, like the people who are listening and you have to look at like, what are the specific obstacles which are preventing me from kind of like building this loving and meaningful life together with someone uh-huh. it's that's so individual i think lots of people have different obstacles that they face well from a scientific perspective what are your tips on things to pay attention to on a first date 
Well, I think just the person's ability to communicate, you can, you can always check for, I think, their level of brain integration from the very beginning. One way you can check is their level of, like, arousal, which is a clinician term for their level of stress. So if you're on a date and they get, like, let's say the waiter gets the, or the kitchen gets the order wrong, and you see, like, how mad they get or how they treat how they treat their custom the waiter you know if they if they explode and they behave inappropriately on the first date that shows that they're not able to manage their level of arousal and that yeah, would be for perfect. sure that is a very bad sign <laughs> yeah yes just you know I mean, that sounds like so straightforward and simple and i think everyone kind of yeah, knows that yeah it sounds that. like something uh i remember an aunt of mine saying how the person treats the wait staff is how they're going to treat you so pay yeah, attention to that. And you're exactly. saying from a, a scientific standpoint, that's also true. What else should we be looking for? On the a one thing day? is a person's narrative, how they speak about their past. Because um, if someone has like a coherent narrative, then that would be an indication that they are securely attached. So how they speak of themselves, of their past. You know, everyone has had difficulties in their past. But how do they see themselves in the face of those difficulties now? Like, are they a victim? Are they blaming other people? Are they complaining? Or do they see themselves as having overcome difficulties and having the capacity to do great things in the future? Uh Uh-huh. So somebody is complaining about the past, they're a victim, and they're stuck in the past, then they really don't have the capacity to do more in the future. So, okay, that's another thing to look out for. Anything else on your list, Heidi, that we need to be aware of on a first date? Yeah, so I have this what I call dating game integration. And one tip that I would have for people is that the first date actually not be in person, that it be on a video chat app. And the reason why is usually you can tell within the first five minutes like whether or not you're having a clear, coherent connection with the person. So uh, what would be unfortunate is if you take the time to drive and meet a person in in person and within the first few minutes you realize that there's like almost no connection there and then you're stuck for like another hour listening to the person talk on and on about NASCAR. <laughs> you have like nothing in common with them. So yeah, okay. definitely. So you screening. say the first date shouldn't yeah. be in person. It should actually be on some kind of video chat app and you do Pre- the screening you know, I have a friend that did that. She actually didn't use the the app approach. What she did do was she sent a note to people via a dating site that she was interested in meeting and said, I'd like to have a cup of tea with you and speak with you for 30 minutes only. And in that 30 minutes, we'll determine if there's a connection. If there isn't, no harm, no foul, and I'll pay for the tea. And she controlled the process very nicely and ended up meeting the man she's been married to for over 15 years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend, what I recommend, I call it the three-step time check, is that you don't exchange more than six detailed messages before moving to a 15-minute video chat app. And what I recommend is that you just set up a time like 7 p.m., and then when you get on that app and it comes up and you're face-to-face, that you just say, oh, I have a meeting to go to in like 30 minutes, but I have 15 minutes. So then no matter what the type of connection is, you just talk with the person for 15 minutes and then you get off and then you can send them a message if it doesn't work out. 
Okay, well, this is a nice protected way, and it may add a level of security because there are a lot of people who still resist the idea that a dating app or dating site is the way to meet people. And listen, we're talking modern love here, everybody. In modern love, 55% of people who meet and form lifetime partnerships do so via a dating site or a dating app. So get out there and get busy. And I think using these rules that Heidi Crockett is recommending are rules that will make it easier for you and make you feel safer. Okay, now we've got another Ask Dr. Brenda question. And Heidi, we'll both take a swing at this one. It says, I've been dating. Uh, We're going to call him Bob. For about two years now, we communicate well, have great chemistry, very affectionate with each other. He's kind, creative. He's an artist. However, he lacks ambition. I'm a big thinker who wants big things in life. I've traveled extensively. And Robert uh, Bob, a.k.a. Bob, works in a bar in Oakland three nights a week and plays video games that are not around. How do I motivate him without nagging? Frustrated in Fremont. Look, frustrated, you have what you have. He is who he is. And either he gives you enough of what you need to feel connected, to feel loved, to feel safe. And if this is what you want, the fact that he works in a bar and isn't you is not going to be the deal breaker. If you want somebody who's more like you, who's driven, who's out there in the world, then you're going to have to go for that person. That's my advice. Heidi, what would you say? Well, I would say motivation is actually right at the core of a lot of what I talk about with the relational neuroscience because uh, what you want is you want to connect brain to brain. So mm, with her, I would say what you want in life is you want enough intensity so that life is meaningful but not too much for it to become chaotic or too little for it to become dull, rigid, and depleted, right? There's that chaos and rigidity. And it sounds like for this caller that the rigidity is really strong with this guy that she's dating, um, that he has a little bit more rigidity than her. And like what you said, I think she has to decide what is she willing to tolerate around his level of rigidity. I agree with you that I don't think he's ever going to change. So it sounds like she wants a little more intensity in her life in terms of like what her middle you know, level of integration is than what this, how, the man, how this man lives his life. It, it sounds to me like she might want to explore and find someone who's a better match. Okay, I'm on that page with you because I think over time, if they're just dating now and she's already feeling, hey, this isn't working, this could really over time not work well. Now, I will say this because I've certainly seen a lot of couples, and this is what I do all day, every day, turn their relationships around, I want to suggest one last thing, frustrated in Fremont. Why don't you and your Bob go and do some relationship love training together where you have a chance to kind of crack open whether he wants more and whether there's something blocking him and whether maybe you could dial back more and relax a little more into your life, there might be a middle ground that you can get a little closer to. I'd at least explore it if you say the relationship is a really good one, which you did say. So having said that, Heidi, you get the last word. I know that you have a free ebook 
on your website which talks more about this idea of brain integration in the world of dating. Everyone, you can go there to www.heidicrockett.com. The book has a very interesting title for Dating Tips on How to Spot Lower Levels of Brain Integration. And Heidi will explain all in that free ebook. Her book is called The Neuroscience of Dating. And we are big, big, big on books here on Modern Love. Build a library. And if you are somebody that people turn to for advice in your community of family and friends, get the book. So you've got something that's based on hard science you can share with them. You guys know I'm a geek and I love hard science. All right, Heidi, what's your last bit of advice you want to leave us with? Yeah, my last bit of advice is that if you understand integration and how important it is in your life, that it will not just improve your dating skills, it will improve all the quality of relationships that you have in your life. So learning these principles that I talk about in my book, you'll start to see it all around in in people, and it can improve your friendships and your relationships, not just in dating. So it's worth researching more, this idea of relational neuroscience and brain integration. So leave us with your simple, functional definition of brain integration so people can take that away. So integration is about a differentiation and linkage. So in relationship, what that is is honoring differences, that's differentiation, and while at the same time having caring connections, and that's linkage. Mm, I like it. All right, integration and linkage. There you have it. Heidi Crockett, thank you so much for being our guest. And everyone, please stay tuned because coming up, Antonia Hall will be talking about the multi-orgasmic life and who doesn't want to learn about the multi-orgasmic life. Also, a big thank you to LeGrand Green, our executive producer, Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, and mark your calendar now for July 22nd to be with us live in our training center here in San Francisco for a Modern Love Training Intensive, including a special guest, Cheyenne Aziz, from the movie Discover the Gift. And we will be talking about how to act like a grown-up in love. You're going to learn seven steps to give up childish behavior that can ruin love and those seven steps to act like a grown-up. We will see you there. Go to Eventbrite to register. All right, everybody, I love you. Blessings. Good night.